the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. On Fridays, we lighten things up. However, if there is breaking news or at least important developing stories, we like to uh, begin by bringing your attention, focusing our attention on those things, which is what we are going to do for the next uh, few minutes. So uh, stay with us. We will be shifting to some of the lighter news in just a bit, but did want to mention a few things before we do that. By the way, James Blend is engineering today's program and producing He is multitasking today, and we appreciate it. Just wanted to mention that. Well, 55 cases containing what were believed to be the remains of U.S. servicemen killed during the Korean War were returned today, according to the White House. And we did see images earlier in the day. The cases, each draped with a flag of the United States, arrived aboard a U.S. military plane in Osan Air Base outside Seoul, South Korea, earlier uh, in the day. The plane and its crew had traveled uh, to Wosan, North Korea, to collect the remains, uh, the White House reported. Well, the transfer of the remains from the 1950 through 1953 Korean War, and some of us still remember and appreciate those who served, had been negotiated last month during a summit meeting in Singapore between President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. President Trump tweeted about the return of the remains uh, late last night as the transfer mission was getting underway, writing that the remains of American servicemen will soon be leaving North Korea and heading to the United States after so many years. This will be a great moment for so many families. Thank you, Kim Jong-un, the president wrote. And you have to recall that even though many decades have passed, for those family members who had uh, no um, no remains from their sons or their brothers and um, those who were lost in the war, this is a, a monumental moment for them. About 7,700 U.S. soldiers are listed as missing from the 1950-1953 Korean War, and 5,300 of the remains are believed to still be in North Korea. The war killed millions, including 36,000 American soldiers. Officials um, in North Korea had no comment on the handover on Friday, the 65th anniversary, by the way, of the end of the Korean War, which the country celebrated as the day of victory in the Fatherland Liberation War. Well, earlier in the day, the White House released a statement confirming details about the transfer of the remains, saying that at their historic meeting in Singapore, President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un took a bold first step to achieve the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, transform relations between the United States and North Korea, and establish enduring peace, the statement said. Today, the chairman is fulfilling part of that commitment he made to the president uh, to return our fallen American service members. We are encouraged by North Korean actions and the the, uh, momentum for positive change. Well, among other results from the highly anticipated meeting, the two leaders signed a document that said Pyongyang would work toward complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. A U.S. official previously said that the U.S. was expecting that the rogue regime would be sending back the remains um, on Friday. However, the following official said that nothing was set uh, in stone at that time until the U.S. plane left uh, the the North Korean airspace, which it has now done, and those remains 
are uh, on their way home. Well, the Commerce Department will release its gross domestic product report today, and the president predicted the numbers will show terrific economic growth. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. And in an exclusive interview uh, with Sean Hannity, Roseanne Barr admitted her controversial tweet about former Obama aide Valerie Jarrett was a mistake and insisted she's not a racist. Facebook will look to begin its recovery after suffering the worst single-day stock drop for a public-owned U.S. company in Wall Street history on Thursday. And the president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, says the president had prior knowledge of the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting between his campaign officials and a Russian lawyer, according to one report. Um, Roseanne Barr, uh, the embattled television star whose uh, namesake show was canceled, said, I've apologized a lot. It's been two months. I feel like I have apologized and explained and asked for forgiveness and made recompense. That's part of my religion. Not sure what religion that is, but this is a direct quote. Barr made headlines after she tweeted in May that Jared, who is African-American, uh, but was born in Iran, was uh, as uh, though the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby. Speaking in her first national television interview since the scandal, she told Sean Hannity that she was so sad that people thought her tweet was about Valerie Jarrett was racist. She said on Thursday night that she made a mistake. It cost her her life's work. She had previously said she didn't know that uh, Valerie Jarrett was, in fact, African-American, as, as if those kinds of statements would have been justified Um, under other circumstances. And according to the Wall Street Journal, Journal, rather, it was a bad day for Facebook. Chances are it uh, doesn't compare to the losses the co-founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg experienced after the social media giant's shares plunged 19 percent, erasing $119 billion in market cap in just one day. Um, It was also the worst percentage drop for a company ever. The losses hit Zuckerberg's wallet to the tune of $15 billion dollars. Through the um, Facebook shares he owns, according to fake, uh, Fact Set. Before the stock dump, Zuckerberg was the fifth wealthiest American in 2018 with $71 billion net worth, according to the Forbes Billionaires list. Considering uh, Thursday's losses, his net worth slipped down to $55.9 billion. This would remove him from the top 10 of the list, putting him down to number 11 behind Oracle co founder Larry Ellison. And on this day in 1996, terror struck the Summer Olympics in Atlanta as a pipe bomb exploded at the Centennial Olympic Park, directly killing one person and injuring 111. Anti-government extremist Eric Rudolph would later plead guilty to the bombing, exonerating security guard Richard Jewell, who had been wrongly suspected and eventually reached a settlement with NBC over on-air remarks by Tom Brokaw. And on this day in 1974, the House Judiciary Committee voted 27 to 11 to adopt the first of three articles of impeachment against President Richard Nixon, charging him, charging rather, that he had personally engaged in a course of conduct uh, designed to obstruct justice in the Watergate case. Well, the U.S. economy grew by 4.1 percent in the second quarter of 2018, marking the fastest economic expansion in nearly four years, according to a highly anticipated estimate released Friday by the Commerce Department. The president touted the amazing growth during the remarks at the White House shortly after the report's release, cheering a shrinking trade deficit and claiming the country is on track to hit the highest annual growth rate in over 13 years. We've accomplished an economic turnaround of historic proportions, the president modestly 
famously declared. Once again, we are the economic envy of the entire world. Well, the White House pointed to the gross domestic product or GDP numbers considered an official economic scoreboard rather as a strong indication that its tax cuts, commitment to deregulation and tough trade policies have paid off. The GDP uh, broadly reflects the goods and services produced in the country. 4.1 percent. Pretty impressive. And finally, America's first ministerial for international religious freedom will not be its last. The State Department and USAID will partner on a new program to ensure that public and private aid can rapidly get to persecuted religious minorities. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo revealed that the Potomac Declaration, which proclaims religious freedom to be a far-reaching, universal and profound human right that all peoples and nations of goodwill must defend around the globe, as well as an accompanying plan of action. These documents reassert the United States' unwavering commitment to promoting and defending religious freedom, said the Pompeo. They recommend concrete ways the international community and governments can do more to protect religious freedom and vulnerable religious communities. Vice President Mike Pence also reiterated the U.S. commitment to religious freedom on the final day of the unprecedented event in Washington, D.C., saying the United States is also committed to ensuring that religious freedom and religious pluralism prosper across Across the Middle East as well. To that end, America is launching a new initiative that will not only deliver additional support to the most vulnerable communities, but we trust that it will also embolden civil society to help stop violence in the future. The vice president said as he announced the establishment of the Genocide Recovery and Persecution Response Program. The vice president was quick to point out that the organization was uh, would partner rather with local faith and community leaders and that this support will flow directly to individuals and households most in need of help. The vice president mentioned that the Trump administration had already sent more than one hundred and ten million dollars to the Middle East. The funds were announced by the vice president in 2017, but have been slow to arrive in Iraqi Kurdistan. In the first two days of the ministerial, uh, dozens of civil society leaders from around the globe heard the stories of the religiously persecuted and learned how to better work with the philanthropy sector of the U.S. government, uh, rather, and the U.S. government to secure funds. And on Thursday, delegations from more than 80 countries attended the event. Among them were leaders from Uzbekistan, which the U.S. has designated a tier one country of particular concern. It's um, harshest classification for countries which it does not believe respect religious freedom. Also present were leaders from some tier two CPC uh, countries, Bahrain, Egypt, Indonesia, Iraq, and Kazakhstan. Earlier this week, Uzbek officials announced that their nation would begin making significant institutional reforms in the area of religious freedom. At the ministerial today, Bahrain announced that it would be establishing an ambassador at large for international religious freedom. And uh, Pompeo praised both nations. Again, uh, big religious freedom pledges made by the vice president and the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. That's uh, some of the news headlines. We're going to turn our attention to the lighter side of the news when we return. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We are back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, a local man, Kyle Farkle was browsing Facebook at a coffee shop this morning, well, some morning, wasn't this morning, when he came across something that very nearly made him laugh, a humorous article from a satire page that he follows. Farkle was just about to click on the article and chuckle at the various jokes sprinkled throughout the piece when something caught his eye. 
an article from Snopes.com with a larger banner labeling the piece as an independent fact check. While being alerted that the piece was fake news, Farkle was able to avoid enjoying the piece and sharing it with his friends entirely. Uh, sources confirmed. Well, that was a close one, he told reporters. I very nearly clicked on the article and enjoyed its humorous comparisons, contrasts and exaggerations for the sake of making a point. Thanks, Facebook. Facebook reps stated they were simply happy to help. Thousands of times each day we save innocent people just like Kyle from enjoying a good joke or satirical piece, Facebook spokesperson Rashida Anderson wrote. It's our little way of making the world a better, safer place. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had clicked on it, smiled and moved on with his day or even um, Zuckerman forbid shared it with a friend? For his part, Farkle says he's going to be more careful in the future. I'll be sure to keep an eye out for fact check label so I know when it's okay to laugh. Well, of course, that's a satirical piece from our good friends. It didn't actually happen. Babylon B. I thought it was funny. There you have it. Well, the ACLU tested Amazon's um, recognition by comparing Congress members' photos to criminal mugshots. And during a test of, of the facial recognition tool, the American Civil Liberties Union found that the software incorrectly matched members of Congress with mugshots. Now, by the way, this is an actual story. The ACLU created a database of 25,000 publicly available arrest photos using Amazon's recognition. By the way, they spell it with a K rather than a C. Uh, they inputted uh, public photos of every current member in the House and the Senate. Well, 28 of the members of Congress falsely matched up with photos of people who had been arrested for crimes, even though None of them were in the mugshot lineup. Well, according to the ACLU, the false matches disproportionately affected people of color. Six members of the Congressional Black Caucus were falsely matched, including Representative John Lewis. Our test reinforces the fact that surveillance is not safe for government use, says John Snow, technology and civil liberties attorney at the ACLU a foundation for Northern California in a statement. Face surveillance will be used to power discriminatory surveillance and policing that targets communities, immigrants and activists. Once unleashed, that damage can't be undone. Well, Amazon's facial recognition falsely matching 28 members of Congress with mugshots. Hmm. There's a joke in there I'm not going to tell, so we'll just move on. A police in Mesa, Arizona, said a 37-year-old man was uh, booked into jail after stealing an ambulance on Tuesday. According to police, the suspect, Todd Tanner Shell, had just been released from Banner Desert Hospital for a heat-related issue and thought it was too hot to walk home. So he reportedly saw an ambulance running in a Bay Area uh, while the crew was uh, dropping off a patient. So he told police he took the ambulance so he wouldn't have to walk home. It was too hot. Officers responded to the call of the stolen ambulance around 11.30 a.m. and used GPS assistance to track it down as Shell was uh, headed eastbound on U.S. 60. Shell was booked into jail on charges of unlawful use of means of transportation and fleeing from law enforcement. Police say the ambulance was not damaged and has since been returned to service. So the Arizona man stole the ambulance to buy a sandwich and to avoid walking home because he'd just been released from the hospital with heat-related uh, difficulties. Now, I hope you haven't just eaten or planning to eat right away. You have to tell me what you think about this, uh, James. Mayonnaise ice cream. It's apparently grossing people out on Twitter. 
They haven't even tasted it. In this day and age, nothing is off the table for ice cream flavors. Gone are simple days of chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Because, well, it's 2018 and innovators are experimenting with flavors based on pizza and New Jersey's beloved Taylor ham pork roll, both of which are apparently pretty good. Alas, one creamery in the UK may have uh, well, taken things a bit too far in its latest Frankenfection, as they're calling it, mayonnaise ice cream. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of mayonnaise to begin with. I mean, I don't. It's it's not like with cheddar and and uh, ranch dressing and stuff on the list of things I just won't do. But uh, I'm not the hugest mayonnaise fan. I definitely do not like the idea. I just can't see it. You know, too much mayonnaise for me in my mouth is just, it's kind of a gross thing anyway, if you get too much a glop of it. And I know there are people who eat it by the spoonful, but I think that's more rare than most of us who just like a little mayonnaise on a sandwich, want it on something else. But to have an ice cream that consists of frozen mayonnaise, that does not appeal. Well, mayonnaise already has some unexpected uses. It can be uh, uh, the secret for perfectly grilled food, tastes delicious on fries, can be used to moisten uh, cakes. But mayonnaise ice cream, that sounds like something crawling out of a grim castle on a stormy night. But indeed, ice artisan ice cream at uh, it's uh, Falkirk, Scotland, is selling the bazaar ice cream. The shop posted a photo of the unusual flavor to Instagram, captured Who knows a mayo addict? And some people are, well, losing their sanity. Just know. And I love mayo, says one. What gets me is the sprinkle of mayo on the top like icing. How could you? Triggered, said another. I'm going to report this page for hate content. How dare you desecrate the honor of ice cream with this monstrosity? Ew, no, recoils in horror, writes yet another. Mayonnaise ice cream, not quite the thing that uh, would appeal to me. Yet another um, writes, and then there were those who couldn't wait to try the condiment-clad treat and those who'd already forked over $2.62 per scoop to try it, says one. I thought it was, well, just wrong on so many levels, but then I tried it. It actually tastes pretty nice, creamy and rich. Another writes, I'd eat that. I need this. Writes a third. Well, on ISIS Facebook, a woman named Nadel Saeed shared this uh, haunting secret about herself. I want one so bad. I love mayo. I can eat it by the spoon, which I'm sorry. I need to just take a moment. Yeah. And on Twitter, um, she uh, hypothesized that um, Hellman's could just make the frozen treat extra creamy. She wrote, I probably won't taste that. that Probably it won't taste that bad. She wrote, it probably makes the ice cream super creamy and light instead of tasting like mayonnaise. I have chocolate cake recipe with uh, mayo in it, and it makes the cake super moist and brings out the chocolatey flavor. So she's speculating that this might um, actually improve the whole thing. For my part. Mayonnaise ice cream off the table, and it sounds like that's the case for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Although it's you know, it's funny here. You know, we talk about you know we've had some food centric shows over the years, and we've tasted some very peculiar. That pickle pop, I think, was yeah, the, the pickle worst. pop was the worst thing. You know, we always, and sometimes before they even make it to air, we we have little food challenges that go on behind the scenes. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of one that was recently going on in my office. Uh, which is, of course, across the hallway from yours. Uh, Rodney, who works with our company, uh, came in and announced that he had been disappointed in me for several years, which that's something you never want to hear. 
But uh, apparently, the genesis of this is on my desk. I have a can of Spam-flavored yes. macadamia nuts, which a friend of mine had seen at a store in Hawaii and picked up and uh, had given to me as a gag gift, and I thought that was the funniest thing. I had no interest in actually tasting them. It, it was it, The item itself was more humorous than the contents could possibly be. Well, he went to Hawaii and brought back a canister of Spam-flavored <laughs> macadamia he nuts did. because he was upset he had not yet tried one. So we all sat around... And we had spam-flavored macadamia nuts. Just to add an addendum to your story, he shopped them around the office and came to my door. I also tasted the spam-flavored macadamia nuts. It, it was not as offensive as I thought it possibly could have been. No, it was a very light spam flavor, and it actually complimented, because it was salty, it, was, it complimented it the... well. Yeah. I, there was a hair of an aftertaste, but other than that, it no was No hair fine. in it, but just a hair of an right. aftertaste, yeah. After we completed our, our tasting party, if you will... Uh, we discovered that Kirk, who sits next to me, had never actually eaten Spam. Really? Really. He grew up in America. He grew up in America. Oh, well, he's fairly young, so he would have missed the whole uh, World War II era, we're going to eat Spam. Um, but it's surprising that he'd never had it. Now, he's on vacation this week. What he doesn't know is I did food shopping last night. Yeah. And you know what I bought? Spam. We'll be having some Spam going on here in the office next spam week. Spam I am. So uh, stay tuned for part two on that one. Yeah, I look forward uh, to that. We'll see how how he does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How he does or doesn't do. I, have to I admit, haven't. I haven't even had it in years. I can't remember literally the last time I've had it. I grocery shop for my mom, and she regularly buys spam. So I have tasted. She cut off a little piece, and I actually don't dislike spam. It's I don't a, remember disliking. It's it. not a. It's not a preference. I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't reject it if offered. So it's a. Uh, yeah, I, it's I probably interesting... it's probably been about twenty years since I've had it, and mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I obviously haven't chosen it in that amount of time, but it's not one of those where it's like, oh, keep that away from me. That's the grossest thing ever. I remember liking it as a child. Yeah, and it was quite an innovation at the time. It kept people uh, fed and with a little bit of protein. So spam, there you have it. Spam ice cream, not so much. Yeah, that I'll pass on. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. By the way, uh, did you know that Date Night PDX is coming up this Saturday, well, I had a conversation with Kristen and Danny Adams. Laughter is the best medicine. Later this hour, we're going to hear from them and give you all the important details if you'd like to attend. That's coming up this Saturday at uh, Rolling Hills Community Church. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. It's so good that this is radio and not television because you and I would be in trouble all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> just going back to the fact I have one of those faces for radio. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. It's, it's best yeah, we're way. right where we need to be. I mentioned uh, last Friday that there was a town in Japan that is noted for its history of ninjas. Well, apparently uh, announcing the shortage, they are now overrun by wannabe ninjas. They're plaguing this Japanese town after that viral, apparently, mix-up. Story comes out of Tokyo. The Japanese city has been left fighting off wannabe ninjas after a news report on local labor shortages that suggested it wanted to hire the traditional assassins went viral. Well, the western city of Aiga, I think that's how you pronounce it, was uh, featured in a report by American radio station NPR this month about Japan's depopulation and labor shortage problems. Well, the report said Aiga was uh, trying to capitalize on its history as home to ninjas by building a new museum focused on the warriors, but was struggling to hire staff, including ninja performers. 
Well, in its reporting, NPR said ninja performers in Japan can earn anywhere from $23,000 to $85,000 U.S. a year. But a number of copycat reports by other media or viral sites went with less nuanced headlines such as this town in Japan will pay you an $85,000 salary to train as a ninja. <laughs> it's like a, an episode of the game of uh, Telephone. By Wednesday, at least 115 aspiring assassins had contacted the city and its local tourism association. Puzzled, IGA officials said. Would-be warriors from at least 14 countries had been in touch, they added. Well, Japanese city um, uh, claiming to uh, be the birthplace of ninjas faces ninja shortage. IGA didn't put out information about a lack of ninjas in IGA or the annual income of ninjas, but that is currently reported by some news sites on the Internet, the city said on its website. In a statement issued by um, in Japanese, English, and three other languages, the city tried to squelch the hopes of applicants, adding, please be careful about fake news. So even in Japan although it was generated here. We are just puzzled, uh, said the city official. So far, neither the city nor ninja performing groups here have any plans to recruit ninja performers. The official said the city's mayor had expressed surprised at how big the impact of the word ninja is. But the viral mix-up could end up being a boon for Iga, which might not be hiring ninjas, but is hoping its association with the feudal fighters will draw more tourists. It's already hosting one ninja museum, boasting a house rigged with hidden ladders, false doors, and an underfloor sword box. Visitors can watch a ninja performance or rent ninja costumes, and they can even join a one-day ninja training program. Just don't ask about job openings. So there you have it. If you are planning on moving to Iga, don't. They don't need you, sadly. Well, a teenager accused of multiple thefts in Palo Alto, um, in that area, has requested one thing of his victims before allegedly stealing the items, the Wi-Fi password. Well, let me back up. The unnamed 17-year-old was arrested earlier this week after police said he broke into an older couple's home and woke them up requesting their Wi-Fi code. He broke into their home in order to steal from them, woke them up, to ask for their Wi-Fi code. Well, the California couple told police they were able to chase the suspect who had his face covered uh, out of their house early on Sunday morning. Palo Alto police arrested him a short time later for residential burglary, prowling and providing false information to an officer. Residential burglary is a felony. The others are misdemeanors. Well, the teenager allegedly entered the house by climbing through a window Keep that in mind during these hot nights if you're leaving windows open. The unnamed residents who are in their 60s, now wait a minute here, um, broke into an older couple's home. Wow. I'm now in the category of older couples home. Anyway, uh, they were in their 60s, reported two kitchen knives missing, but they have not yet recovered, uh, police said in the uh, newest release. Police said, uh, also said, rather, the suspect stole a bike from a yard of a different residence uh, late on uh, Saturday night. A woman told officials she saw him standing outside her bedroom window and uh, he asked her for the Wi-Fi code because he ran out of cellular data. Residents of that house got the suspect to leave and he fled on a bicycle, police said. An occupant uh, in that house later realized the bike the suspect left on was actually his. Well, the bike has been returned to the owner and Palo Alto police are asking that the teenager be charged with misdemeanor petty theft in that case. 
Well, because he's under the age of 18, uh, the name and photo of the suspect have not been released, although his story is fair game. Palo Alto police are asking for anyone with additional information about the incidents to contact them. Um, But this just goes to show you that some people are so tethered to their phone, they're willing to risk uh, facing jail time to get the Wi-Fi code because they need to text someone or take a selfie or who knows what he was planning to do. Well, if you are taking some things to Goodwill or Salvation Army or to the uh, um, Teen Challenge, um, you might want to check and make sure you really understand and appreciate the value of what it is you're dropping off. A violin bought by a Massachusetts pawn shop for $50 has ended up being worth about 5,000 times that. WFXT-TV reports a new employee at the LBC Boutique and Loan in Somerville had no idea what he was buying when he paid for the, um, let's see, Fernando Ferdinando Gagliano violin, which was handcrafted in 1759 and is worth $250,000. The store manager says the bows alone are worth sixteen dollars to $18,000. Police say the violin was stolen during a house break-in and has since been returned to its rightful owner. They say the seller had no criminal record and they're still investigating. Uh, they say in the future, shop employees are going to ask people who bring the violin to play them so that they can um, know the instruments is theirs. Although, you know, you can inherit a violin that may not be as helpful as one might imagine. And the world record for swimming along in a sack with hands and feet tied Okay, let me just stop here. The world record for swimming along in a sack with your hands and feet tied. Who would want to go to such lengths to establish a world record? Well, the answer is swimming instructor, lifeguard, and adventurer Yane Petkoff. Bulgaria's answer to Houdini and Michael Phelps combined. Well, he reclaimed on Tuesday the Guinness world record for swimming along with his hands and feet tied while fully wrapped inside a sack. You know, people may have way too much time on their hands. Swimming in a sack with your hands and feet. Okay. Sun, Sea, and Santa. Father Christmases have held their annual Congress. We make reference to it just about every year. Braving Europe's heat wave, more than 150 Santas from around the world don their heavy suits and full beards at the annual conference in Denmark. You and I were going to go to that this year, and we somehow missed the date. I'm so uh, disappointed. Anyway... Sun, Sea, and Santas, plural, 150 of them, showed up for the annual Santa conference, or rather, Congress, uh, this year in Denmark. What do they do? They sit around and talk about uh, ways to enter homes. I would say break and enter, but nonetheless, what do you do at the Santa Congress uh, as you're anticipating the big holiday coming some six, um, well, five and a half, five months from now? Yeah, we're in July now, aren't we? Anyway, the event has taken place. 220 passengers were on board Spirit Airlines Flight 779 from LaGuardia to Fort Lauderdale when it was diverted to Myrtle Beach. Apparently, several passengers aboard the diverted flight from New York to Florida were sickened by the smell of dirty socks. Hmm. Passengers aboard complained of Burning throats, chest pains after a potentially, potential hazmat situation from an unknown substance that passengers say smelled like dirty socks diverted the flight. Uh, a flight from New York to Florida had to be diverted to, uh, to South Carolina because some passengers aboard complained of burning throats and chest pains 
um, uh, for this uh, order as well. Well, 220 passengers were aboard that flight um, as it was diverted. And they still don't know what it was, but it smelled like dirty. You know, hygiene is really important. This obviously was something more than just dirty socks, but uh, hygiene is very important when you are crammed into a very small cabin up close and personal with the people both in next to you, in front and behind. Uh, this one, not so sure the source. Let's hope it wasn't, in fact, dirty socks, but it sure smelled like it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hear from Kristen and Danny Adams. Laughter is the best medicine. They're going to be a part of Date Night PDX. That's coming up this Saturday at Rolling Hills Community Church in uh, Tualatin. By the way, you can register online at a discount, $15 per person. It'll be $20 at the door. All the important details when we return. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon. James Blend is engineering and producing today's pro. He is exhausted. It's uh, it's so much work uh, for him to pull that off. And yet he comes in day after day. He's really quite extraordinary. National Lipstick Day 2018. Now, this may not interest you, James, but for others of us, National Lipstick Day 2018 can be meaningful, primarily because you can get free lipstick on National Lipstick Day. You need to get up early on Sunday, go to the first service as opposed to the midday service. Uh, And uh, by the way, this is the 29th National Lipstick Day. And MAC Cosmetics is giving away free lipsticks to celebrate the made-up holiday. I think we should make up a holiday. Uh, No purchase is required to pick up this freebie worth $18.50, available in nine shades, according to the news release. All Mac stores and counters are participating except for locations closed on Sunday. The only catch is supplies are limited and the in-store offer is expected to run out fast. But be sure to go to the early service because you don't want to skip that in order to get lipstick. There will be a minimum of 100 giveaways per store, and there's a limit of one per person, according to the release. By the way, the giveaway shades, Aloof, Delish, Dare You, Moxie, Floribundi, Epic, ooh, I like Epic, uh, Mixed Media, ooh, I like that one too, Uh, Chintz and Tanum, let's say Tanarma, Tanarama, Tanarama, it's Tanarama are part of the company's iconic artist favorites collection. So there you have it. Did you say Flora Bundy was one of them? Yes, Flora Bundy. So is that like lipstick for overgrown flowers? Yes, yes it is. Okay. Mac will also offer the free lipstick in the same shades with online orders, $25 or more on Sunday, the release said. So there you have it. You're right. We do need to make up a holiday. (laughs) You know. What could it be? Free food anywhere we want day. Oh, yeah. Pick a new free car day. I mean, these are, Honor a radio program Discount yeah. on everything day. Or or send free stuff to the radio station day. It could be like a prime day for radio people. Oh, I like that. Prime day for radio. I like that. Exclusively for, for radio. Well, I mean, I don't want the exclusive, total exclusiveness. I mean, people can buy us gift certificates, gift cards. Well, that's true. Yeah, they can buy us gift Give cards. Give a gift to a can... radio host and producer day. Send your financial gifts to... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding about that part. 
Bud? I know. Oh, we were only kidding. We may be a for-profit station, but we're, we're, we're we have no profit. You and I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're just going to leave that alone. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, uh, lipstick day, <laughs> I read a headline that I thought was uh, sort of comical. Although these days you have to be careful what you laugh at and what you don't because we're so hypersensitive. This could be this could cross the line. Apparently, a man in Alberta decided to legally change uh, his sex for cheaper car insurance. Now, he's not actually doing anything. He just registered for car insurance as a female to save some money. Writing, I am now a woman. I now pay $1,100 less for auto insurance. I won the end, wrote the unidentified man in a Reddit post. Now, now there's, a famous, um, there's a famous insurance company out there, and I won't, I won't name them specifically, but their slogan is uh, you can save what, up to 15% by, uh, by switching to mm-hmm. that brand. So basically what they're saying is you can save up to 15% or more by switching. Yes. Sure. And stop there. Yeah. Full stop You there. don't have to do anything, and nobody can challenge you. No, uh, they The can't. insurance company says, no, you're clearly not a woman. He can say, I absolutely self-identify for the purposes of purchasing insurance and saving a whole lot of money. Just saying, not suggesting or encouraging anything, just saying it apparently worked for him. Well, a Boston actual woman is looking back on her 10 minutes as a millionaire after a banking error was made in her favor. And quickly corrected. Ellen it's not Fleming, like when it happens in Monopoly? Yeah, not wow. at all like that. This was actual money from an actual bank for an actual 10 minutes. Ellen Fleming is 26. She said she received a voicemail from a TD Ameritrade financial consultant saying a deposit had been made in the account she had opened months earlier with only $50. Fleming said she looked at the TD Ameritrade app and discovered her account now contained $1.1 million. I was thinking, oh, wow, how neat would this be? She was speaking to the Boston Globe. I could quit my job, do whatever I want to do, pay off my student loans. You need to take every opportunity that's handed to you, she said. But that seemed like an opportunity that could lead me to a federal prison. So she didn't think it was worth it. Fleming called the financial advisor back to tell her a mistake had been made. She said the money had apparently been intended for a different Ellen Fleming, who was shocked to look at her Ameritrade account to find out she only had $50 in it. There's some Ellen Fleming out there living in some alternative universe life in Florida, she uh, mused. Fleming uh, posted a screenshot of her inflated account uh, balance on Twitter. I was rich for 10 minutes, and I can tell you life was, in fact, better, she wrote. Fleming said her account balance is now $63, so she's at least uh, earned a little something. Being a millionaire really was a dream come true for 10 minutes. I'm very humbled that I lost my money and my family stood by me. <laughs> Definitely took it with good humor. Yeah, she did. You got to wow. wonder how much of that extra 13 bucks, though, was the uh, interest accrued on that minute, 10 minutes of 1.1 million. <laughs> That's a good so, point. Maybe they didn't make her give back the interest. I mean, you know, hey. <laughs> Ten minutes, you know, almost an hourly wage for uh, ten minutes worth of uh, financial freedom. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if she did that battle cry that uh, who's the financial guy? Oh, Dave has Ramsey. Dave yeah, Ramsey. Ah! I'm debt free. I'm also now millionaire free. <laughs> then at uh, ten minutes, yeah. there was also a battle cry. I'm poor again, and I owe students. Or at loans. least just a cry. <laughs> yes, of some sort. Well, a team of scientists made an enormous discovery when they recently uncovered a quadrillion tons of diamonds 
buried more than 100 miles below Earth's surface, according to a new study. Researchers from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, or MIT, Harvard, the... uh, Carnegie Institution of Washington and several other universities used seismic devices to measure the speed of sound waves uh, traveling through the Earth's crust. Sound waves move at various speeds through the Earth, depending on the temperature, the density, the composition of the rocks through which they travel, MIT explained in their news release. Well, scientists have used this relationship between seismic velocity and rock composition to estimate the types of rocks that uh, make up the Earth's crust and parts of the upper, upper mantle, also known as the lithosphere. Say it with me, lithosphere. Well, the scientists noticed a sudden spike in seismic speed toward the middle of a 200-mile Cratons. I have no idea. Or sections of rock found beneath the center of most continental tectonic plates. In order to find out what was causing the sound waves to speed up, the researchers conducted several tests on various rocks and minerals. Only one type of rock produced the same velocities of what the seismologists measured, one that contains 1 to 2 percent diamond, the scientists explained in that study. We can't get at them, but still, there is much more diamond there than they ever thought possible. Therefore, scientists believe it's safe to conclude diamonds make up the uh, bottom of cratons. They estimate there are about a quadrillion tons wedged inside the ancient rocks. Cratons are like pieces of wood floating in water, uh, says a research scientist from MIT's Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Scientists. And in an online statement, he said, uh, Cratons are a tiny bit less dense than their uh, surroundings, so they they don't get uh, subducted back into the Earth, but are floating on the surface, if you will. Well, the diamonds help keep the uh, miles-long rocks rock formations stable. Unfortunately, there's no way to access those uh, gemstones, as drills are unable to dig 200 miles into the Earth's crust. But researchers say it proves diamonds aren't as rare as we once thought. This shows that diamonds is not perhaps the exotic mineral, but on the geological scale of things, it's relatively common. Uh, We can't get at them, but still, there is much more diamond there than we ever thought possible. Clarifying, there's about 1,000 times more diamonds in the world than initially predicted. If only we uh, we could get down there. But, nope, can't be done. Well, a zoo is accused of painting a donkey and passing it off as a zebra. It gives new meaning to the phrase, a wolf in sheep's clothing, or in this case, a donkey in zebra stripes, a zoo in Cairo, Egypt. Apparently, they just couldn't get their hands on a zebra, and they didn't want to disappoint their fans. Uh, In Cairo, they've been accused of trying to fool visitors by painting a zebra stripes on a donkey, but the zoo director insists the animal is, in fact, the real thing. Mohammed Sarhan, 18, said he was visiting a recently opened animal sanctuary at the International Garden Municipal Park when he spotted a strange-looking animal. Sarhan said the several things about the animal stood out and made him suspicious. The black paint had melted on the donkey's face, and the ears didn't look like the right size for a zebra. He posted a picture on his Facebook page, which quickly went, you know the word, Viral. Well, in that photo, he was posing next to the animal, looking bemused. He wrote in Arabic, the stupidity has reached in this country uh, that they thought they brought a local donkey and painted it to look like a zebra, end quote. Well, the director of the Gardens Project in Cairo has denied the reports that they did, in fact, try to pass off a donkey as a zebra. The zebra is real and not painted, Mohammed said. 
Uh, Sultan uh, added that the animals are well taken care of and are inspected regularly to ensure their welfare and their paint. I mean, their welfare. Well, after reviewing the images, a leader of the uh, with an animal activist group, PETA, disagreed with this animal. Uh, that it was well taken care of. And, of course, they didn't care about the paint. They just didn't think it was well taken care of because animals shouldn't be taken care of at all. They should be roaming about uh, freely. This isn't the first time a zoo has tried to pull the wool over viewers' eyes, so to speak. In 2013, a zoo in China angered guests by trying to pass off a hairy dog as a lion. And the lion even barked. But it was a lion, according to Chinese authorities. The results are in an Omina Michigan has a perfect mayor. I said a perfect mayor. We'll tell you all about it when we come back from the break. You're listening to a fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we are back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Have a bit of breaking news I want to share with you. The Oregonian, in its Oregonian fashion, the headline, Abortion Initiative Narrowly Qualifies for Oregon Ballot. Now, the story is the ballot to stop state funding of abortion qualified for the Oregon ballot. However, the Oregonian couldn't resist adding narrowly qualifies. Now, if this had been a Planned Parenthood initiative or a marijuana initiative, it would have said how many signatures they had gathered and how impressive it was under the challenges that they faced to have placed this on the ballot. But their headline, abortion initiative narrowly qualifies for Oregon ballot. This is what they are reporting this just in an initiative to ban state funding of abortions in Oregon narrowly qualified for the ballot on Friday. Supporters of initiative petition one submitted 117,799 valid signatures. State election workers found that's just 221 signatures above the minimum required to get the state constitutional amendment on the November ballot this year. It's on the ballot. Let's just make that point. Well, Oregon Life United relied on volunteers to gather the signatures, the Oregonian uh, has reported. It's the final initiative to qualify for the November ballot, setting up an election in which voters will be faced with four conservative initiatives. Wow. Two of the measures that already qualified would take it more uh, would make it more difficult for governments to raise revenue. And a third would uh, repeal Oregon's 30 year old sanctuary state law. So there you have it. Stop. Uh, state funding of abortion in Oregon will be on the ballot. Congratulations to Oregon Life United. And if you know what a shoestring operation this was, uh, fueled by commitment and faith and um, volunteers, this is a very impressive uh, victory. All right. Just wanted to mention that. Yay. Okay. That's my view. You may have a different one, but yay. I have the mic. So there you have it. Okay, the results are in, and Omina, Michigan, has perfectly selected a new mayor. Well, Sweet Tart McKee, the cat, was elected mayor of the small village with a population of about 300 people. Diablo Shapiro, a dog, was selected as uh, as its first vice mayor. Apparently, the mayor is not really uh, that effective in town and doesn't play a significant role. Omina... Uh, The Historical Society organized the election, which it uses as a fundraising opportunity with a $1 fee to vote, according to the Detroit Free Press. More than $7,000 was raised this year, and the election officials believe outside votes were cast. Punkin Anderson Harden, a dog, was elected as second uh, vice mayor, and Goat Harley Jones serves as press secretary. Penny Labriola 
uh, was appointed special assistant uh, for foul issues, and that's F-O-W-L, a uh, position she certainly is qualified for as she is a chicken. Sweet Tart, who was uh, homeschooled, previously served uh, as the Omina Va- uh, Village Council and is vice mayor of that village. And while she can be a little shy, Sweet Tart, nine, wanted voters to know she is, um, isn't stuck up. Her campaign profile states the dynamic between her and uh, Pumpkin could be tense. However, as the young pup admitted, um, her biggest uh, pet peeve is cats who won't play with her. Sweet Tart is expected to appear at certain events and meet with neighboring mayors. The Detroit Free Press reported she is the fourth mayor of the village and will serve a three-year term. Let's hope she survives for three years. I'm not sure if that's animal years or, you know, human years. Um, we have a quote here, she said in a statement, adding that uh, she had experience governing and supervising her own household. I represent the best of uh, uh, Lee Lanau County with the sweet tart uh, cherries. I have no idea what that means. During the campaign, Penny's controversial past was brought to light. The chicken who was uh, laid in the U.S. Um, said that she stole food from her sister's mouth before. Apparently that didn't. Uh, discourage voters. It was also revealed that Harley is not a lifelong Michigan Michigander. Uh, he's actually born in Missouri before he moved to the Wolverine State to pursue a career as a show goat. He also admitted to fathering multiple kids with two different uh, she goats. Uh, I couldn't help myself, he said in the campaign profile. Any living pet is able to enter the mayoral race as long as he or she lives in Omina, north of um, Traverse City, or the greater Omina area. So there you you have it. An election without controversy. Now, this may be somewhat uh, surprising to you, but a parasite that infects more than 30 to 50 percent of the world's human population may subtly prompt people to start businesses. That's according to a new study. Now, who would even think to study this? But nonetheless, according to a new study, the association with entrepreneurship may be a, a side effect of the parasite's real goal getting its host, typically a mouse or rat, eaten by a cat. Okay, well, this particular parasite, the name of which I will not attempt uh, to pronounce, is a protozoan parasite that can live in many kinds of animals, although it can only reproduce in the gut of a domestic or wild cat. In the typical scenario, cats excrete an egg-like form of the parasite in their, well... They just drop it off, let's put it that way. And mice or rats become infected uh, from contact with the contaminated soil. Well, the parasites then reproduce in the rodent's body, eventually entering an inactive life cycle stage in which they are known as uh, bradzoites or something like that. Uh, The uh, rodents' behavior for their own... um, The cysts manipulate, rather, the rodents' behavior for their own ends. And while normal rodents avoid cats, infected mice and rats lose their fear of predators and some actually become attracted to feline odors. Uh, Hence, they are eaten. Well, humans can get infected either through contact with the same cat leavings uh, or by eating undercooked cyst-ridden meat. That means they have the same parasite. The disease is dangerous to people with AIDS, and if women become infected while pregnant, it can harm their um, their unborn children. But in most cases, the only obvious effect is a brief flu-like illness. People assume they have gotten better, unaware of the parasite still lurking in their bodies. However, they say people may become more entrepreneurial 
As a result, since humans are a um, dead end for the parasites, uh, the parasites probably haven't evolved to manipulate human behavior specifically. However, human brains bear many similarities to mice brains, or at least some human brains do. Uh, so the same mechanisms that that uh, lead mice into a cat's jaws may also have an accidental effect on humans. Indeed, evidence has been mounting that um, uh, this latent infection may affect people's minds. Studies have found that infected people are more likely to get into traffic accidents, develop schizophrenia, abuse alcohol, commit suicide, or make various kinds of risky decisions, hence become entrepreneurial. Um, infection has also been linked to certain personality traits, including aggression in women and disregard for the rules in men. So if you're really good at, um, at business, they're extrapolating. You may, in fact, in fact, be infected with a cat parasite and more successful as an entrepreneur. Now, I don't know, manure being the operative here, I don't know if you made the leap, but um, they certainly have. And there you have it. Science at its uh, not really best, not necessarily worst, but least clear. We'll put it that way. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, did you know that backyard chickens sicken people in 44 states? We'll tell you all about it. (laughs) We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend, engineering and producing. Well, live poultry and backyard flocks are linked to several multi-state outbreaks of salmonella infection that have now sickened 212 people in 44 states, according to federal health officials. The most recent illnesses began in uh, June, the 21st to be more precise, with 88 of the cases reported in the last month. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, said in an advisory. The federal agency is working with multiple states to investigate several outbreaks of salmonella infections linked to contact with live poultry and backyard flocks. A half dozen strains of salmonella bacteria rather, have, been, have sickened people starting in the mid, uh, middle of February with 34 of the 2012, uh, of the 212 uh, sickened people hospitalized. More than a quarter of those uh, sickened were under the age of five, according to the CDC. Young children are particularly vulnerable because their immune systems are still developing and they're more likely to put items Uh, like fingers and pacifiers in their mouths. Well, the six states so far not uh, affected are North Dakota, South Dakota, Virginia, New Jersey, Maryland, and Delaware. The District of Columbia was also spared, but you'll notice that Oregon and Washington were not. Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say chicks and ducklings from multiple hatcheries have been tied to the outbreaks, and many of the people uh, stricken reportedly uh, getting chicks and ducklings from sources included feed supply stores, websites, hatcheries, and relatives, said the agency. It added that some of the infections have uh, proven difficult to treat with common antibiotics requiring another type to be used. Birds can carry salmonella bacteria, even though they uh, may not appear to be ill. They may appear quite healthy and clean, and people can be affected by touching live poultry or objects in the environment, according to health agencies. Even handling baby birds displayed at stores can cause a salmonella infection. Health officials advise washing with soap and water, 
right after touching live poultry or anything nearby. They also advise not letting live birds inside the house. Who on earth would do that, especially where food or drink is prepared, served or stored? Also, no kissing or snuggling with birds. Uh, only to then touch your face or mouth, which we just naturally do. Raising chickens in urban areas is a growing trend, uh, with Las Vegas, uh, one of the largest cities, to approve residential coops. A study of 50 of the most populated U.S. cities found 93% allow backyard flocks. In 2013, almost 1% of all U.S. households surveyed by the U.S. Uh, Department of Agriculture reported owning backyard fo- uh, fowl, as they are known, and 4% more planned to start in the next Five years. So be warned and take care. A pair of um, nematodes, roundworms, are apparently alive after they were frozen in permafrost for nearly, well, they say 42,000 years, but, you know, give or take. Russian scientists said the two um, prehistoric worms uh, out of a group of about 300 are moving and eating Uh, after they came back to life in a lab at the Institute of Physiochemical and Biological uh, Problems of Soil Science in Moscow, the Siberian Times reported. After being defrosted, the nematodes showed signs of life, a report from the Russian scientist said. One of the worms was found near the uh, river in 2015 and is believed to be about 41,000 years old, according to the study. Uh, The other worm uh, was found in 2002 in a fossil rodent burrow. Uh, These samples were taken from about 100 feet underground, and the worms um, are apparently alive. They were found close to uh, a park, the site of an experimental project to recreate the habitat of extinct woolly mammoth. I don't know why we would want to bring them back, but nonetheless, the data demonstrate the ability of multicellular organisms to survive long-term Um, according to the report, uh, in uh, challenging conditions. So Jurassic Park, not that far off, I'm guessing. Yeah, Do you remember how that movie turned out? I do. And in fact, uh, Jurassic World, if I understand, I haven't seen it, but it seems that somehow uh, the animals that were confined to the island have made their way onto the continental, highly populated ground. Is that Yeah, I I haven't seen the latest one yet either, but... uh... Yeah, that does seem to doesn't, be... I mean, it's like, okay, we've good. given five cinematic reasons why this could be a bad idea. <laughs> and yet the Russians are working on it. Hmm. I'm sure they're not the only ones, but there you have it. Ready, steady, slow. Snails, slug it out at Racing World Championship. Yes, there is a slug or snail Racing World Championship. The race starter... Uh, stood up and shouted, ready, steady, slow. The crowd cheered by the competitors, so rather, but the competitors remained stuck at the starting line. Um, welcome to the World Snail Racing Championship. I don't yet know who the winner is or was, but it took a very, very long time for anyone to uh, move from where it had been. And they didn't seem to get the notion that you're supposed to go straight ahead rather than back the other direction or whatever snails do. Now, at my house, they seem to have no trouble moving, as their slime trail can be seen in various unspeakable places. But at the World Championship of Snail-slash-Slug Racing, they had a ball. A sheep in eastern Australia is leaping about more lightly after being sheared of its uh, massively overgrown fleece. That sheep um, had overgrown uh, quite significantly. Um, It... 
In fact, you can go to our Facebook page and see an image of the thing in social media posts that has gone viral. The farmer shared pictures of the sheep he dubbed Shrek, or rather Shriek rather than Shrek. Shriek 2, he said a friend found the sheep with several years of uh, growth, which he sheared to produce uh, 66 pounds of wool, more than six times greater than the average fleece. And boy, if you could see this thing, he cut 30 kilograms of wool, which is uh, 13 inches long, and it was matted. So if you were to spread that or stretch that out, it was quite uh, impressive. He added that the fleece was unbelievably clean. Anyway, he's uh, light-footed now, uh, would be nice uh, at the moment um, to to sell the uh, 2,000, uh, about 2,000 of these um, pounds of, of wool that he's trying to uh, to get rid of. But this sheep was huge. And as I mentioned, 66 pounds of incredibly clean wool sheared from this, uh, this creature, uh, if you will. And a woman trying to fend off a rabid fox that was biting her on the leg reached down with one hand to hold the... Uh, Uh, and shut the mouth of the thing, and with the other, strangled it. She said, I couldn't do anything else to get it away from me. She apparently was quite attractive. 52 years old from Pittsburgh. I don't like to kill anything, she said, but it was him or me. The attack occurred the 18th of this month, shortly after she heard rustling in some bushes while she was walking out uh, to her backyard garden. She says the fox ran out and bit her leg multiple times, puncturing her skin that I mentioned rabid. She tried to escape into her house, but couldn't while the animal gnawed on her leg. It was biting at my leg. I had to do something. She said she grabbed the animal's snout uh, with one hand and the fox's neck with uh, neck with the other. The fox struggled to get free, but soon went limp from being choked. She cleaned and bandaged her uh, badly bleeding leg, called her husband who took her to the hospital where she began the two week, very painful series of rabies shots to treatment. Animal control officers retrieved the dead fox, sent it to the state for tests, confirming that it did, in fact, have rabies. Uh, she, by the way, is the only human attacked by a rabid animal so far this year in Salem County, and that's in New Jersey, Pittsgrove, New Jersey. So you don't have to worry if you live in Salem, Oregon. Well, a woman was uh, repulsed to find a hybrid-looking creature crawling around on her porch. The mystery creature, which resembles both a rat and a hot dog, was uh, caught wriggling uh, against her the skirting of her home. The strange five-inch-long specimen resembles a sausage with a long, thin tail like a rat, and it's baffled social media users across the country, if, in fact, it's not a hoax. A fierce debate erupted online when uh, she posted footage of the alien-like creature you can see moving. The strange specimen, rather, is believed to be a larger-than-normal rat-tailed maggot. I mean, could you think of putting two more disgusting things together? No, you couldn't. A rat-tailed maggot, which will eventually turn into a drone fly, which suggests it's going to be a huge overgrown fly, hence the movie. Anyway, the woman described it as moving like a worm, but uh, much larger in size, with a long, thin tail, but without a face or legs. Her friends were quick to offer their insight into what they believe the creature could be. One said the thing is absolutely gross, um, it, uh, they'd never seen anything quite like it. Others could barely look at the video, which they said creeped them out. Some people even thought the creature was an alien of some sort because we always go to that. Rat-tailed maggots are uh, often less than an inch long, but the tail can be as long as six inches when completely extended. 
And these are the immature stage of uh, stages of flies that resemble honeybees. Uh, the terrifying creature was found slithering around the corners of the woman's house. And let's see, she said once again, what was the length she suggested? Five inches long. I'm not sure if she was in, including the tail, uh, but the thing was five inches long, and that would be Ugh. rather yes. rather shocking. Yeah, I'm a little creeped out myself. All right, we're going to take a quick break. and I, we, I, Yeah, I need one. We, <laughs> I need one after that. Yeah, when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up, including letting you know some of what's coming up next week. That sounds like fun. Yeah. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blinn producing and engineering. A couple things I want to remind you this Saturday. That's tomorrow, by the way. Saturday night, date night, PDX. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk with Kristen and Danny Adams. You can hear that uh, on our podcast uh, about 4.45, I think, is when that uh, conversation aired. They're going to be presenting along with Jim and Carol Shore's Acts of Renewal. It's going to be a great night. Date night PDX, that's this Saturday. Everything starts at 5.40. The doors open at 5. And that's going to be at Rolling Hills Community Church in Tualatin. If you register online and you need to do that ASAP, the price per person is $15. That'll be $20 at the door. You can also find a lot of great information on the website, Date Night PDX. If you're looking for some creative ideas, something new to add a little juice to your dating light, uh, um, your dating life, uh, you can go to the website and there's some great uh, ideas that are uh, specific to our area. So um, add some some interesting things to your um, dating repertoire, if you will. Uh, again, the website is datenightpdx.org. You can register there, get some uh, great ideas and uh, plan on showing up at Rolling Hills Community Church. Again, the event starts at 540. The doors open at five and you can go to our podcast at kpdq.com. If you'd like to hear the conversation with Kristen and Danny Adams, who will be performing uh, there with Laughter is the Best Medicine. Uh, you can go to their website, in fact, to see some of their videos. They pe- post new ones every Friday. Jim and Carol Shores are also uh, going to be performing their acts of renewal and on the uh, date night PDX website, you can see some of their material, each of uh, the couple's material. If you'd like to check them out ahead of time, date night PDX.com. And for those of you who joined us later in the program, I want to remind you that we learned today, the Oregonian announced that uh, the initiative to end state funding of abortion in Oregon uh, qualified for the ballot today. Uh, and uh, the 170, uh, excuse me, 117,799 valid signatures uh, qualified for that ballot. As I mentioned yesterday, uh, while it's a challenge to collect that many valid signatures, that's only the beginning. The campaign itself is going to be much more challenging. They're going to need uh, boots on the ground. They're going to need volunteers. They're going to need financial support. Uh, So this is just the beginning of what will be a very long and challenging campaign, but I think one that can be successful. So kudos to Oregon Life United for that uh, success, and we'll certainly be talking about it in the days ahead. Speaking of the days ahead, uh, taking a look at next week on the program, on Monday we're going to talk with Lauren Green McAfee, author, or rather co-author of Only One Life, How a Woman's Every Day Shapes an Eternal Legacy. In other words, what you do now, even when it doesn't seem like it's that important, it matters. So we'll talk with Lauren Green, <clears throat> excuse me, McAfee about that, and of course that 
Uh, that translates into male activity as well. We're also going to talk with Joan Lippis, who lives um, in Israel, but she's going to be in uh, in town or in the United States for a while. So she's going to join us. She's with Novea Ministries. And we'll find out what uh, she is up to and what opportunities we'll have in our community to hear her speak. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Daniel Henderson, Transforming Presence, How the Holy Spirit Changes Everything from the Inside Out. Again, that's on uh, on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're working on a couple of things. <clears throat> Thursday, Linda Evans will be my guest, Praying God's Promises, the Life-Changing Power of Praying the Scriptures. Doesn't get much better than that. And she'll join us here on Thursday to talk about that. And... Um, we're planning on lightening things up on Friday, as is our usual practice. Well, a female duck at a Minnesota lake may have just won Mom of the Year. Female duck, Mom of the Year. Amateur uh, photographer Brent Sizek snapped stunning images showing a female duck leading 76 ducklings on a lake about 150 miles northwest of Duluth. 76 ducklings. Now, how could that be? He says, I couldn't have asked for a better photo opportunity. He was speaking to CBS radios as it happens. The photo just makes you question, you know, how is this possible? How did it happen? How is this mom taking care of so many ducks? Among other things. Well, he says that he first spotted the massive brood uh, in late June while he was out on the uh, lake. He counted at least 56 ducklings that day and decided to return a few weeks later to see if he could uh, spot them again. When he saw the mother duck, a common um, uh, duck, she and her ducklings last week, there were about two dozen more following her. Now, she might just be the Pied Piper of ducks, and these ducklings may not be uh, hers. That may not be anatomically possible. But it's hard not to look at her and say, okay, you know, this is uh, pretty unbelievable. Multiple people are saying, you know, mom of the year, the, photo, the photographer said. Well, Sizek, he posted the photos on social media, garnered thousands of reactions, shared the comments. Uh, as of Thursday, he told the National Audubon Society it was difficult to capture the photo. He snapped at least 50, and each time he hoped uh, they would come out clear. I just uh, kept praying that one um, would turn out, and of course it did. Well, big groups of ducklings following one female duck isn't uncommon, despite what you might think. A duck can have between 20 to 30 ducklings follow her. Ducks uh, also uh, lay eggs in other ducks' nests, possibly to increase chances of their ducklings surviving, according to the National Audubon Society. However, uh, this particular kind of duck can uh, only incubate up to 20 eggs, making a uh, the discovery, an extraordinary sighting, according to a uh, Yale ornithologist. Uh, scientists believe the mother duck picked up several ducklings who were separated from their own mothers, becoming kind of uh, experienced babysitter. Uh, she will likely continue caring for the ducklings until they're big enough to go off on their own. So there you have it. 76 ducklings to a single mama duck. Wow. A new research shows that uh, recipients of an emailed expression of gratitude felt much more ecstatic than writers expected. The conclusion, according to the New York Times, you should actually send that thank you note you've been meaning to write. Dear reader, Heather Murphy writes, we want to let you know that we are grateful that you are taking the time to click on this headline because without you reading the story, what's the point? We are now going to use your precious time to share a surprising new finding. People like getting thank you notes. Okay, it's not that surprising, but what did surprise two psychologists as they attempted 
uh, to get to the bottom of why so few people actually send thank you notes is that many people totally miscalibrate the effect of an appreciative email. They underestimate the positive feelings that it brings. Uh, They think it's not going to be that big a deal, says a professor at the University of Texas at Austin who studies well-being. Uh, They also overestimate how insincere the note may appear and how uncomfortable it may uh, make the recipient feel, their study found. But after receiving thank you notes and filling out questionnaires about how it felt to get them, many said they were ecstatic. That's the word they chose, scoring the happiest, um, the happiness rating of four out of five. Uh, The senders typically guessed, oh, it would evoke about a three. To be clear, the notes in question were not your typical thank you for the Amazon gift card. Rather, the 100 or so participants in each of the four experiments were asked to write a short gratitude letter to a person who had uh, affected them in some way. Sample letters included missives of appreciation to fellow students and friends who offered guidance through the college admissions process, job searches, and tough times. In lab experiments, the doctor observed that it took most subjects less than five minutes to write the letters, but they had a a long-lasting impact. The study published last month in the Journal of Psychological Science is an effort to fill a hole in the growing field of gratitude research. Numerous studies have documented a range of benefits to individuals who express gratitude. So they, uh, so then the re- the question researchers turned to was, what's holding people back? Well, they underestimated the value of sending the note to another person, and many seem to be concerned with how much their writing would be scrutinized. Literally scrutinized. As it turns out, most recipients didn't care how the notes were uh, phrased. They cared about the warmth, uh, the doctor and his co-author said, a professor at the University of Chicago. Participants were also judged to be more competent at writing than they expected. This finding was uh, a gem, they said, that's worthy of future research, which they'll do. The point is, people appreciated those letters of gratitude, reminding them that they have value that uh, they have made a difference in the life of someone else. Now, my guess is, although the researchers didn't turn their attention to those who wrote the letter, that expressing gratitude was probably quite meaningful to those who penned those letters, even though they were skeptical about how well they would be received by the recipient. So something to think about over the weekend. Who's had an impact on your life? Who's made a difference? What small gesture made a big difference for you? You might want to consider pinning a thank you note, whether that's online or on paper. It'll make a difference for both you and the person to whom you're expressing gratitude. By the way, James, I really appreciate your engineering in producing today's program. You mean the world to me. Have a good weekend. I accept that. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.